you've got a Bible this morning, open it up to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is our second week in a series called The Greatness of Christ. The Greatness of Christ and a little bit different of a Christmas series, uh, at least last week was. We, we started from this passage. Normally, most people preach from Luke chapter 1 or Matthew chapter 1 and 2 on Christmas. We're going to get into Luke 1 today just so you know, we can have an official Christmas series because you know, if you don't preach the birth of Christ somewhere in there, it's not really a Christmas series, right? But I, but I would draw your attention to 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16 because the Bible says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And, and God calls that thing a mystery. He actually calls it the mystery of godliness. And, and last week, we, we introed our series by saying there are actually several mysteries in the Bible. When, when, you, when you study the Bible, this, this word mystery shows up in several different locations. A mystery is something that was there all along but hidden, and then God revealed it at a certain time to a certain people. And so one of the, one of the mysteries, if not honestly one of the greatest mysteries, is this mystery of godliness. God even calls it great. He says, without controversy, Great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh. And, and honestly, when we think about Christmas, when we think about the birth of Christ, you know, we think about the Savior being born and all those different things, but we have to be reminded it was God himself in the flesh that was born. God m- was manifest in the flesh of what we celebrate that happened 2,000 years ago. We, 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 we realize that, man, according to the Word of God, that, it, that Jesus Christ is God. We, we studied that last week. He's great because he's God. And so this mystery is, is tremendous because God himself was manifest in the flesh. Uh, it also says in that same verse, and I don't want to re-preach last week's message. I thought it was pretty good. Maybe I should re-preach it. Uh, uh, I don't know what you thought, but I thought it was pretty good. It, it, he says it's great, but he also says it's without controversy. And the word controversy just means to, to dispute something or to debate something. And of all the things that we could talk about and debate about Christianity, God himself says concerning this issue of Jesus Christ being God in, in the flesh, he said this thing is without controversy. It's, it's great. And it's without controversy. There's no room for controversy or debate or, or dispute or opposition it is the greatest mystery of all, in my opinion. And so, and so we, we studied that last week, and, and then this morning, we're going to, again, kind of launch from this verse, and we're going to talk about this issue that God was manifest in the flesh, a little bit deeper. We're going we're to dig a little deeper this morning, and so in your notes or, or, or on your seat, there's a set of notes, and I'm going to pray, and if you want to follow along during the message, uh, feel free to do that, take some notes, and, and I hope it's encouragement. So let's pray. And we'll get it started. Father, we love you. Thank you again for the morning. Lord, we, we, we are so thankful, uh, Lord, that, that we can celebrate uh, Christ. We thank you that, that he is God in the flesh. We thank you that it's great. Uh, it was a mystery that was hidden, and now it's revealed, and it's without controversy. And it is un, undebatable. Uh, it's not open for discussion. This is a clear truth from your word, and so we thank you for that. And, and this morning, as we talk about God being manifest in the flesh, godliness, Lord, help us to see what a great miracle that you did and also see the practical application for our life uh, because you want to exercise godliness 
in our flesh. And so, Lord, I pray that you do that today. We love you and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the, the message is entitled this morning, The Manifestation of Christ. The Manifestation of Christ. Because the verse says, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And so if you wanted a working definition of godliness, it's just the fact that God is manifest in the flesh. That's what godliness is. God is manifest in the flesh. And this morning, we want to just go back to the the story in Luke and and even Matthew and see how did that happen? How How did God manifest himself in the flesh as the Son of God? Well, number one in your notes, I want you to understand that godliness or God in the flesh was manifest... Number one, by a minister with a message. By a minister with a message, and and again, Luke chapter 1, we'll spend a lot of time in Luke this morning. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, many of you know the story. The Bible says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And we just want to begin this story of God being manifest in the flesh with this issue of a minister with a message, this angel named Gabriel was sent from God. And in Luke chapter 1, his intended audience, at least in, in verses 26 and following, was, was Mary. He's coming bringing good news and great joy to a woman named Mary. And, and, and so, listen, we see all through the Bible that angels many times are messengers sent by God with important messages. You can study the Old Testament. You can study the New Testament. They're, they're, they're ministers in the sense that they have a message from God that they deliver faithfully. Uh, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 25 and verse 25, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. And, and listen, an angel was sent from God. And God is in the third heaven, according to the Bible. He's far above outer space. That's that's a far country. And and yet he sends good news to Mary that you're going to have a son. And he's going to be called the son of God. And he's going to have a throne. And he's going to redeem his people from their sin. That good tidings, that glad tidings is is good news. You, You could even say that it's kind of like a gospel. Because the word gospel means good news, right? And so here's this minister with a message. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that angels are, verse 14, ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation. And I just want to make the point, as we talk about God being manifest in the flesh, it began with a messenger and a message, or excuse me, a minister and a message, this angel Gabriel. And then secondly, we see that God was manifest in the flesh. He was manifest, number two, by a birth. There had to be a birth. I mean, God was going to be manifest in the flesh. How did he do that? Well, Luke, again, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 down to 33, the Bible tells us what this conversation between Gabriel and Mary looked like. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin a spouse to a man whose, whose name was Joseph, the house of David, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. 
For thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, and he shall be great, because great is the mystery of godliness, by the way, right? He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And, and so again, we, we, how did God manifest himself in the flesh? Number one, he did it with a minister and a message. But number two, he did it by a birth. And he, and he did it, obviously, through a woman named Mary, a virgin who was espoused to a husband or, or espoused to a man named Joseph, but had not yet consummated this marriage. And, and, and Galatians chapter 4, again, echoes this same thing that we're learning in, in Luke chapter 1. It says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, manifest in the flesh. How did he do it? Made of a woman, made under the law. And and so God in the flesh was manifest, but in order to see it really manifest, there had to be a birth. There had to be a virgin birth, and and we know that from the Bible. Uh, We'll get into that detail in, in just a minute. Number three, how you guys doing? You okay so far? All right, number three, look, godliness, God in the manifest in the flesh, was accomplished by the power of the Holy Ghost. It was accomplished by the power of the Holy Ghost. Luke chapter 1, verse 34, and again, I think most of us have read this passage. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? Okay, so again, she's a spouse, she's engaged, but she's not consummated the marriage. The angel shows up and says, you're going to conceive a son. And she's like, "Um, question, how's that going to happen? Right? How's that going to happen? Uh, And the angel answered and said, okay, here's the answer. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. So the point is, this is a work of God, but specifically, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy, the Holy Ghost, and, and we must be reminded from the Bible that the Holy Ghost is God. Remember 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7? Uh, I don't think I have that on the screen, but just listen. The Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, uh, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are, are one. And so, and so you have God the Father wanting to manifest God the Son in the flesh through the power of God the Holy Ghost. It's a work of the Godhead. It's a, it's a work of the Trinity. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17 says, The Lord is that Spirit, capital S. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And so, and so we believe that the Spirit of God is God, just like God the Father, just like God the Son. And so for God to be manifest in the flesh, it had to happen through the power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, Mary's just like, how is that going to happen? Well, there's there's... It's going to happen because of God and the Holy Spirit of God. I don't really understand that. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to understand it. It's going to happen. And it did happen. And she didn't understand it. She just trusted that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Number, number four, godliness in the flesh, or excuse me, God in the flesh, and I keep just reminding you that godliness is God in the flesh. God in the flesh was manifest. Number four, listen, through an imperfect woman, through an imperfect woman. Uh, Luke chapter 2, and we'll get out of Luke and and get over to chapter 2. Look at verse 22. 
Again, the Bible tells us that after Jesus was born, it says when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, she brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of excuse me, the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So she brought Jesus to present him to the Lord, and then to, she also brought uh, sacrifice. Verse twenty four, and to offer sacrifice according to that which is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. And 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 what we understand from from Luke chapter two is that Mary. Although blessed among women and highly favored, and she was, what a tremendous blessing to be able to be used of God, to, to do what, what God did. Mary was not sinless. In, a fa- in fact, she was a sinner that ultimately would need Christ's blood to redeem her from her own sin. And we know that from Luke chapter 2 because the Bible says that she offered what was required according to the Old Testament law. And so if you go back to Luke chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, and again, this is the the Mosaic law and the Levitical law requiring sacrifice. It says in in verse 2, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, if any woman hath conceived a seed and born a man child, then she shall be unclean seven days. According to the days of the separation for her infirmity, she shall be unclean. And if you skip down to verses 6 through 8, it says, When the days of a purification are fulfilled. In other words, after seven days, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb, listen, of the first year for a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a what? For a sin offering. And so what we have in in Luke chapter 2 is Mary offering what is required according to the Levitical system for a burnt offering and also for a sin offering. And so we have to understand that when you study the Levitical law, a burnt offering was a voluntary offering. It was a willing offering. In other words, it wasn't required, but it was something that you could offer out of free will. But, but as we also study the book of Leviticus, we, we understand that the sin offering, according to the Levitical law, was required. In other words, it wasn't optional. And, and if God spelled out, this is when a sin offering is required, you were required to bring that offering. And so what we see in Luke chapter 2 is that Mary, she's an imperfect woman. She knows that she's a sinner. She knows that she wants to be right with God because, by the way, in Luke chapter 2, that's still the Old Testament economy because she's still offering sacrifice that's required by the Levitical law. And so she wants to be right with God. She understands the Old Testament. She understands the book of Leviticus. We even know from her offering, because the Bible says, listen, if if you're going to bring the burnt offering, bring a lamb. But if you can't bring a lamb... Bring a turtle dove or a young, a young pigeon. And, and, and again, if, if you really understand what that saying is, if, if you can't bring a lamb, it says it down in verse 8, if you're unable to bring the lamb and the lamb was for the burnt offering, then, then you can bring the turtle doves or the pigeons, right? And, and so what we see her offering literally is she couldn't, she couldn't bring the lamb, probably because she was poor, 
but she did bring the turtle doves. But can I just tell you what was in her arms was the lamb, right? I mean, I mean, the very lamb of God was in her hands, was in her arms, the lamb that would ultimately take away the sin, not just of her, but, but of the entire world. Through his, through his veins and, and arteries were flowing the precious blood of God that would be used for our redemption. And so, and so we see that she brings what's required because she's an imperfect woman. And we know that the virgin birth is important. It's one of the key doctrines of our Christian faith because, because Christ couldn't be born of man's seed because Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 tells us that in Adam all die. We all have a sin nature that's passed on to us from Adam and from his lineage and from his seed. Job 15 and verse 14 even says, What is man that he should be clean? He which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. None of us are righteous because we're all descendants of Adam. We're all descendants of Adam. And yet, God is going to use an imperfect woman to bring about the perfect Son of God. You know why? Because he didn't have man's lineage. He had God's lineage. It was a work of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and so in your notes, here's the key point. God was able to use an imperfect human to deliver the perfect incarnate Word of God to the earth. In other words, God in the flesh. The word incarnate is, is the, the same word, you know, incarnate with meat. God, God with flesh, God with meat, incarnate, God in the flesh. God was able to use an imperfect human to deliver the perfect incarnate word of God to the earth. And we all believe that. I mean, you can't be saved and not believe that, that God is perfect, that God is, Jesus Christ is God, he's perfect, he's holy, he's sinless. And, and yet, in spite of the human instrumentation that God used, Christ was perfect. He was sinless and he was holy. He was God manifest in the flesh, incarnation, through an imperfect human. We believe that, right? How did he do that? Well, I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it. I know that, that it was promised. I know that it was a work of the Holy Spirit of God. And I know that God's big enough to do it. God's big enough to do it. And most people that are professing believers would say, I don't understand that completely, but I believe that. I believe that. We believe it because God said so. We believe it because God said so. And, 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 and listen, can, can I take a rabbit trail for just a second? You know, there, there are Christians today that believe in the virgin birth, and they believe it by faith because God said he could do that. Not knowing how God did it, can't really be explained. We can't go back and find the hospital records or the birth certificate or any of that stuff, right, historically speaking. And yet we believe it because the Bible tells us that that's true. How did God do that? I don't know how he did it. It was by his power. It was by his spirit. God alone did it. And God got the glory. And we can all get behind that even though we can't explain it. And we can even believe it by faith. And we trust in it and we celebrate it. And yet, God said the same thing about the incarnate Word of God, as he does about the inscripturated Word of God. God says that he's going to preserve the inscripturated Word of God and present it perfect and holy and sinless. God says in his Bible, the same Bible that tells us about the virgin birth, he also says in the same Bible that he is able to keep the inscripturated Word of God perfect and holy and 
and sinless. As a matter of fact, in Psalms chapter 12, it's not on the screen, but verses 6 and 7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them. And the them, the, the antecedent to that pronoun, them, is the words. God will keep the words. God said he's going to preserve those words from this generation forever. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says, every word of God is pure. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 4 that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And, And it just blows my mind that we believe that God can through an imperfect human, bring to us the perfect Son of God, the incarnate Word of God. And yet we can't believe that through imperfect humans, God can can deliver and and give us the perfect inscripturated Word of God. And, And that's the next point. God is able, just as He's able to bring the perfect Son of God, the incarnate Son of God, He is able to use imperfect humans to deliver the inscripturated Word of God to this earth. But as soon as you make that statement, people get really upset. People label you, they think you're crazy, and in modern Christianity, they would say, you have lost your mind. And yet, the same Bible that tells me He did one, tells me He can do the other. It tells, and, and one, we come to believingly. And yet one we come to critically. And and can I just say that people that ascribe to modern translations of the Bible, and listen, I'm not trying to be a jerk this morning, but but if God can give us the perfect incarnate word of God through a human instrument that's sinful, God himself is able to bring the inscripturated word of God that is also perfect and holy and righteous. He can also do that through sinful human people. And, and, And it begs the question, where is it? Do we have access to God's words today? And a high percentage of Christendom would say, no, we don't. And the excuse is because man wrote it. Man had his hands on it. And so we can't trust it because they screwed it up. And can I just tell you that God is bigger, God is greater. You say, how can he do that? Well, I think through the power of his Holy Spirit. Through the promise of his word, he can do the same thing that he did in in manifesting God in the flesh. He can do the exact same thing to manifest the inscripturated word of God and preserve that, that perfect word of God throughout history, throughout languages, throughout translations. We can have it today. You say, I don't believe that. Well, do you believe the virgin birth? Because it's really the same thing. As a matter of fact, when you study the Bible, the, attribute, the attributes given to Jesus Christ are the exact same attributes given to the Scripture. They're the exact same because He is the Word, according to John chapter 1. And so I just, I just want to take a, about a five-minute detour there to tell you that, man, at Christmas, we, we believe, we celebrate, we rejoice in God being manifest in the flesh through an imperfect human, by the work of the Holy Spirit, as promised in the Word of God. And and can we equally get on board with the fact that God can can use imperfect humans to even bring us the inscripturated Word of God? Because listen, if you don't believe that, you can't trust any Bible that you got 
You can't trust anything. And so I really don't even know what your foundation is on if you can't trust any of them. What, what is your faith in? Well, it's in tradition and men and church history. Well, where do you get that from? <laughs> where does that come from? Where, where does that come from? And, and, and again, uh, listen, for those of you that are part of our church on a regular basis, you know, this is, this is a, an interesting topic that's worthy of discussion. And maybe you walked in this morning, you never really thought about that. Can God, through humanity, bring us a proper, perfect, holy, inscripturated word of God? I would say, I would say upon the authority of Scripture, he can. And so we would be in best interest to find where that is. Number five. Number five, godliness, God in the flesh, was manifest, number five, by the word of God. And, and what we see, we're going to get out of Luke for a second, because if we don't hit Matthew, it's not a really a Christmas series, right? We've got we to say Matthew 1, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. But in Matthew chapter 1, same account, Matthew says this, that all of these, th- all of these things were done. The, the, the messenger with the message came to Mary and gave her the good news that you're going you're gonna to bear a son. He's going to be the son of God. All these different things. Verse 22 says, now all this was done that it might be, and the next word is really important, fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. And so what we have to understand is that, that God being manifest in the flesh was, was prophesied, it, it was connected directly to the word of God itself, okay? God said it's going to happen. This is a fulfillment of what's going to happen. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, all the way back in Genesis. Uh, do you remember Genesis, right? Way back, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, fell, uh, sinned against God, received their punishment. The Bible says in, in chapter 3 and verse 15, concerning Satan and his punishment, he says, I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it, her seed, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, what you see is a, a, probably the first prophecy that a woman was going to have seed that was going to bruise Satan's head. Not Adam's seed, the woman's seed, right? And, and of course, Christ was of the Holy Ghost. He didn't have Adam's seed. He alone is clean and righteous, even though he was born of a woman. And so, and so God being manifest in the flesh was a fulfillment of Scripture. It's, it's connected directly to the Word of God itself. Isaiah 7 and verse 14, we read the verse, uh, therefore the Lord uh, shall, shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And, and again, what is spoken by the Word of God is manifest in the flesh very practically in the person of Jesus Christ. So it's connected to Scripture. Number six, uh, you got to listen faster. We're never going to get done. Number six, that's why the last half of your notes, the, the blanks are filled in. Did you notice that? Now, we're not done. So as soon as your blanks are filled in, we're not done. Number six, godliness, God being manifest in the flesh, he did it in a prepared body. He did it, he did it in a prepared body. And, and we get this out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4 to 7. And, and again, if you, if you were to spend some time in Hebrews, the whole point of the book of Hebrews is that Christ is better. 
He's better than the law. He's better than Moses. He's better than the sacrifices. He's just, he has a better covenant. He's better, 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 better. Well, in Hebrews 10 and verse 4, it says, It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. Listen, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written of me, to do thy will, O God. And, 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 and the, the he that cometh into the world is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he cometh into the world over 2,000 years ago, at his first coming, he's fulfilling Psalm 40 and verses 6 and 8, 6 through 8. But I want you to understand that, listen, that body that he came in, that flesh body that he came in, it was a prepared body. Number one, and I don't think this is in your notes, but, but, it, but it was a body of flesh. It was a body of flesh. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says that the word was made flesh. So, so he was, Jesus was in a real body. He wasn't in a spirit body. He wasn't a ghost walking around. He had a real fleshly body. And inside of that body, by the way, was the most valuable resource in this universe, the blood of God. Inside of that body was God's blood by which and through which we are saved. You know, Romans tells us in Romans 5 and verse, verse 9, much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Listen, don't ever, don't ever think that Christianity and, and salvation is, it is free to us, but someone paid the price. And the price was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 and verse 14 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it's not on the screen, but, but God even says that he purchased the church with his own blood. God did that. And so, and so Jesus came in a prepared body. It was a fleshly body. Number two, it was a man's body. We know that he was the son of God. He, he was a man, child. Philippians 2 and verses 5 to 7 tells us that, that Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, and if you want to know who's responsible for this, the Holy Spirit of God is, and, and God himself, Jesus Christ, is responsible. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of, of men. So he showed up in the flesh. He had a man's body. Number three, this human body was going to be offered as a sacrifice for sin. You see, God was manifest in the flesh in a body. And that body was going to be the sacrifice for our sin, for the sin of the whole world. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. God was manifest in the flesh. He was the spotless Lamb of God. And in his body and on that cross, his, his redemption would, would buy our sin. That body was going to die according to God's will and sacrifice for our sin. And then, and then lastly, number seven, godliness, God manifest in the flesh, 
was manifest, godliness was manifest for a specific purpose. And again, we get that out of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7. It says this, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it's written of me to do whose will? To do God's will, right? To do thy will, O God. And you guys remember the story, right? Luke 22, when Jesus is in the garden uh, right before his betrayal, right as he knows what's about to happen, he's going to be betrayed and, and face the mock trial and die on the cross for our sin. He's praying in the, in the garden and he says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Remove this judgment of sin on me that's about to happen. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You guys remember that, right? So, so, so God was manifest in the flesh, in this body, for a very specific purpose to accomplish whose will? God's will. And, and I know you're like, thank God I got all my blanks in. Let's go early to lunch. Not, not so fast. Uh, not so fast. You know, it's a good reminder at Christmas, this is really what happened. This is what God being manifest in the flesh is all about. This is the miracle of Christmas, if you will. It's easy to even sit back and say, wow, I never saw some of those things. That's pretty amazing. That's awesome. And listen, it is awesome. It is awesome that God accomplished all of that. He had a purpose for all of that. God being manifest in the flesh was, was, was all the things that we just mentioned. And yet, we need to understand that, that what God did 2,000 years ago is the same thing he wants to do now. And not in the sense that he wants to send Jesus Christ to die for our sin again, but, but God still has a desire to be manifest in the flesh. And so here's the key reality as we kind of transition to the practical. Just as Christ was manifest in the flesh, God desires that, that Christ, God in the flesh, be manifest, listen, in our flesh. God has a desire that, 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 that God is manifest in your flesh and in my flesh. And, and maybe you're sitting there saying, well, how does that happen? I mean, he did that once. And, and listen, the, the sacrifice of Christ was once and for all. I think we sang that this morning. Did we sing that? I mean, I, I didn't sing it. I played it because I can't play and sing at the same time. But three of you sang it, thankfully. Okay. Maybe we need to sing it again in the end. I'm not sure. All right. Here, here's the point. God wants Christ to be manifest in our flesh because God still is very interested in this thing called godliness. He, he's really interested in this thing called godliness. So how does that happen? How does God manifest himself in our flesh in a way that pleases God? Number one, it happens through a minister and a message. It happens to a minister and a message, but the, but the message doesn't come from an angel. The message comes from you and I as ministers of Christ ministering the gospel. And, and so in Romans 15, it says in verses 15 and 16, Nevertheless, brethren, I've written more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind, because the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. What did Paul minister? ministering the gospel of God. Do you realize that when you preach the gospel, when you share the gospel with people, there is potential for godliness, for God to be manifest in someone else's flesh through receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, number one, listen, it, it, 
the gospel, or excuse me, God manifest in our flesh happens through a minister with a message. And if you've never received the gospel personally, can I just tell you, God is really interested in you doing that. God, God, God wants you to understand that Christ died and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures for your sin and for mine and for the sin of the whole world. And his, his forgiveness is available, but we have to understand that we're sinners in need of it. And, and so listen, that, that's what Paul is saying. He's like, man, listen, we can see godliness manifest. We can only see it manifest through the right message, and the message is the gospel. It's not water baptism. It's not church membership. It's not tithing. It's not Muhammad. It's not Hinduism. It's in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The message has got to be the right message. That's the only way we'll see God manifest in anyone else's flesh is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, God wants to manifest in our flesh, and, and godliness will only happen in our flesh, through a birth. And, and we see that in 1 Peter 1 and verse 23. The Bible says that we should be born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth Forever. And so once we receive the message of the gospel and you put your faith in that, God says that you're born. You're born. Listen, salvation is not a, uh, you know, I'm adopting the Baptist religion. That's not salvation. That's not salvation. Salvation is a birth. It's a birth process. And, and, and listen, if there is no birth, there is no godliness. In other words, God is not in your flesh. You, you have not been born again. God does not take up residence inside of you without the new birth. Without the new birth. You've got to be born again. You can be Baptist as, as you are all the day long, man. You can be Catholic, you can be Methodist, you can be whatever. But if you've never been born again, God is not in you. You need to, you need to receive Christ. Number three, listen, God can be manifest in our flesh, and it only happens through the power of the Holy Ghost. It only happens through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, For by one Spirit we're baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, we're bond or free, we've been all made to drink into one Spirit. John 3 says, That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Just as the power of the Holy Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost of God had to manifest and conceive Christ in Mary's womb, God being manifest in our flesh happens through a birth, and it only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You can't make it happen. You can't fabricate it. You can't become right enough, religious enough, legalistic enough. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It's only through the power of the Spirit of God. When you respond to the gospel, God's Holy Spirit does what only He can do. He transforms your life. Number four, God being manifest in our flesh only happens through an imperfect woman. And, and what I mean by that is God's instrument in the New Testament is not Mary. God's instrument is the church, the body of Christ, also called the bride of Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And so as Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, he says, listen, I've espoused you. You are engaged. You, you got saved. You're, you're the espoused bride of Jesus Christ. 
and, and I want you to, to be chaste so that when you see him, he's pleased with you. And again, can you, can you remember that there was a woman we studied in Luke chapter 1 and 2 that was an espoused woman? She had not consummated a marriage, and yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, she was able to bear fruit. And can I just tell you that there is another espoused woman, the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, who is espoused to a husbandman, the Lord Jesus Christ, and although we've not consummated that marriage yet, and we've not seen him yet, can I just tell you, through the power of the Spirit of God, God can do what only God can do through an imperfect woman. He can bring forth fruit. He can bring forth fruit, and that's what he wants to do. Now listen, what I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is that salvation is somehow distributed through the church. In other words, you don't receive Christ through a church through the church withdrawing or, or withholding certain ordinances or certain sacraments. You receive Christ by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But listen, the, the woman that ought to be preaching the gospel is the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Number five, God will be manifest in our flesh, and it's only going to happen by the power of the word of God. If we want to see godliness in our, in our life, we want to see God manifest in our flesh. We, sh- we should desire that. That's what God wants. It's only going to happen by the Word of God. And again, 1 Peter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, We're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Colossians 3, and verse 16, tells us that, that we should let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. And, and so when, when the Word of God gets in us, it's the same as God getting in us. Because the incarnate Word of God and the inscripturated Word of God carry the same attributes. And and so if you want to be manifesting godliness, you need the power of the Word of God in your life. And let me just be honest, man. Most Christians that that say they're saved have a very distant relationship with the Word of God. And, And I'm just telling you, you may be saved, but you are not godly yet. Because godliness being manifest, God being manifest in your flesh, godliness only happens through the, the, the infiltration and infusion of the Word of God in your life. He's got to get in you. You say, he's in me, I'm saved. Yeah, he is in you positionally. And then practically, you need to still ex- exercise godliness. You need the Word of God in your life. And, and, and we saw it in Christ that, that ultimately his life was a fulfillment of Scripture. We need to consume ourselves with Scripture and, and dw- let the Word of God dwell in us so that godliness can be manifest. Number six, God manifest in our flesh is going to only happen through a prepared body. Through a prepared body, and, and earlier we saw that Christ was manifest in a body of flesh, in a man's body, a, a body that was going to be sacrificed. But listen, in the church, this body is not a flesh and blood body, it's a spiritual body, According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says you're the body of Christ. So as you look around the room, do you see any elbows? (laughs) Do you see any feet? Do you see any hands? You don't see it very physically. You see some appendixes, maybe. You only need one of those in your body, by the way. I'll just move on. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now, let's see, that thing's a part of my body, but what does it do exactly? Okay, anyways, verse 27 You're the body of Christ and members in particular. And so the point is, we are part of a spiritual body 
God is manifest in this body through a spiritual body. Number two, we saw that it was a woman's body because it's the bride of Christ. He, he says that I've, I've espoused you to one husband that I may present to you a chaste virgin to Christ. So you're all a bunch of women. You're a woman. Get over it, okay? He's the bridegroom. And as a man, this sounds really weird. And we're the bride. And that's just the way it is according to the Word of God. Okay, yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you, Can you explain that? No. <laughs> I can't explain it. But we're part of a spiritual body, and we have a woman's body, and God wants to bring forth fruit through this espoused body. And then lastly, look, this spiritual body is not going to be offered as a sacrifice for sin, but it does need to be offered as a sacrifice for service. This body that we're in, this body of Christ that we're in, can I tell you that God's really interested in us surrendering it for his service? I mean, Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just reasonable. It's just, you sound like that's really unreasonable what you're asking. Well, God disagrees. God says it's reasonable. Why? Because he offered his body for our sin. So it's not unreasonable that we offer our body willingly as a living sacrifice for his service. That's not unreasonable at all. That's not unreasonable at all. And then lastly, number seven is this. God manifest in our flesh happens for a specific purpose. And remember, in Jesus Christ's ministry at the very end, Luke chapter 22, we saw that Christ said, or in Hebrews chapter 10, we saw that Christ said, you've prepared me a body, I've come to do thy will, O God. And can I just tell you, if we're going to see godliness manifest in our flesh, it happens for a very specific purpose, it's to do God's will. It's to do God's will. And so it is interesting, right, as we study that Christmas story, as we go back to to Luke 1 and Matthew 1, and we, we look at all the things, man, that are connected to Christ and God being manifest in the flesh, right? That's really awesome. It's really cool. But we have to also understand that, man, listen, what God did was also paint us a picture. He wants God manifest in, in our flesh. He, he's still interested in godliness in our life. And so I hope, I hope that's an encouragement to you. I really do. I hope, I hope there's some things today that maybe God spoke to you about. So let's pray, and then, uh, and then we'll dismiss. Love you guys very much.